The hero of Marvel's latest Disney Channel animated series is really smart. As in, smarter than Mr. Fantastic and smarter than Iron Man kind of smart. And to top it all off, this genius is younger than any MCU hero that we've seen so far. Well, Lunella Lafayette is a 13-year-old super genius who turns superhero. She brings a dinosaur out of a portal by accident, and they become best buds and crime-fighting partners. And her whole thing is protecting her community and protecting the Lower East Side of New York. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. The Detroit native who's voicing Lunella Lafayette in the new animated series Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is Diamond White. Spoiler alert, Lunella is Moon Girl. She's also Marvel's first black female kid superhero in her own series, and the show is premiering this Friday. While the Avengers have been running around, deadly serious, saving the universe and stuff, Lunella delivers the goods with style. When she made her debut in Marvel Comics, Moon Girl got raves for bringing the fun back. She's fighting real threats and everything, but it's exactly what you'd imagine if your extra goofy, smarty-pants little sister put on a costume. My grandma once told me, bravery is what you do when you're flat-out scared. Aw, old people are the best. I know my grandma's so cute. Okay, let's do this. Uh, stop! Right there! And you are? All you need to know is I'm a superhero. Diamond White's personification of Lunella carries all the warmth and snap that have carried her to dozens of stage, screen, and animation roles. She joined us to share what her career journey has looked like since leaving Detroit and what it means to portray a young hero who looks like her. Honestly, once I read the breakdown for this role, I realized that this is a very important character. And the representation is important for kids to see, and it's something that I needed growing up, this type of cartoon showing a super genius black girl, which is incredible. I just brought a lot of my personality to the character. I imagined myself being this super hyper, you know, teenage girl who is fighting crime and is super excited about it. And she also has her insecure moments and where she's not sure how to deal with her social settings. But that's also something that I related to because I was homeschooled growing up. So I'm very awkward around people my age. Yeah. So I just put a lot of myself into this character. It sounds like you need to you need to ramp it up a bit for Lunella. Am I getting that right? Yeah, because I'm a pretty laid back person. I feel like coming from Detroit, we're very laid back and very like chill. Lunella is the opposite of chill. She's very all over the place. She's a 13 year old girl. So of course she's going to be all over the place. But yeah, I definitely have to ramp it up a bit for Lunella. You know, the the thing I've, I've always loved about Lunella as a character is like, you can't tell her. I mean, if she's if she's sure of something, you can't tell her. Was that the kind of was that the kind of kid you were as well? Yeah, I'm a Capricorn. We are stubborn people. Thing about Lunella is she juices things up a lot and falls on her butt a lot, but she always finds a solution to fixing it, which is something that I did as a kid as well. Like you couldn't tell me, "Oh, you can't do this. I'm going to do it and reap the consequences and then I'm never going to do it again." Did you read all the comics to get ready? 
I didn't. I feel so bad about that. I really didn't. The thing <laughs> that I love about the show and the producers on the show is that they allowed me to bring all of my experiences. So in a way, Lunella is very much just me as a 13-year-old. They had me – I actually asked them if I could write a list of all the things that – happened while I was growing up, like my first perm or my first weave or whatever. And they take a lot of my experiences into consideration. So yeah, it's very much infused with just a lot of me because I was a very hyper kid and I thought I was the smartest kid on the planet. (laughs) Nice. And you probably were. I mean, I I feel like that's also like a probably a good and defensible approach given the way, I mean, Stepping into the Marvel, I guess the Marvel extended cinematic universe, I mean, you can really drive yourself crazy, I guess, as an as an artist trying to fit into what one or the other, you know, version of a character has delivered over time. So, yeah. yeah. And I think it's important that I brought my own flair to it because this is the first time we're seeing Lunella and it's the first time we're seeing anything like this from Marvel and Disney. It's the first... African-American teenage girl superhero in her own series. So I needed to come from a very fresh place of like, we're just going to give it a go and hope that it's authentic and relatable. And I think the show is incredible. So I'm excited for people to see it. The creative team uh, is nothing short of stunning for this one. Lawrence Fishburne, I see, is an executive producer I think his voice appears in the series as well. Yes, he plays the Beyonder. Yeah. I mean, I know that sometimes with voice acting, you know, everybody's not in the room together, but did you get to meet him? (laughs) I did. We went to, I think it was either Comic-Con or D23 together, but um, I was really scared to meet him. I didn't know that he was going to be such a goofball. Um, He's super (laughs) funny. He's super hilarious and super just easygoing. And like, he's a great guy. I'm super excited to be working on this with him. How was the Comic-Con experience for you? I mean, it's not exactly a secret that that can be, those rooms can be tough rooms sometimes. Did you feel like you had a, you had a good experience? Yeah, I mean, it was the first time the first episode premiered, and it was just nice to see the reaction from the audience. And there was even a girl that dressed up as Moon Girl. So I'm just excited to see what all of the next Comic-Cons are going to be. I can't wait to see all the cosplayers dressing up as Moon Girl. I think I'm going to try out cosplaying as well. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this is the beginning of a very special journey for you. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Um, Another piece that you bring to this is that you're a singer as well, and you you released an album called Summerland in 2021, and I know that you sing throughout the series. The superhero genius go next door. For real, ain't no folklore. And to that vision that I have a dinosaur. And did I read that the music supervisor is Raphael Sadiq? Yes, indeed. Swoon. Yeah, he's incredible. I got to go to his studio and talk to him about the show. And it's crazy how he even got involved in the show. Steve went to a record signing of his and convinced him in 30 seconds. And I don't think Raphael knew if he was being serious or not. But after they exchanged information and I guess Raphael saw the show, he hopped on. And he's incredible. And all the music has been 
just super cool and like complicated for me to do, but like really, really good. Is Sadiq a comic book guy? I don't know. But all that matters is that he's down for Moon Girl. <laughs> he's such, yeah, totally. I mean, he's such an eclectic, he has such eclectic taste. Yeah, that's why it makes a perfect fit because if you're walking down the streets of New York, you're hearing all different kinds of music at all times. And that's something that they wanted to make super authentic because this show is like super authentic to New York. So they wanted to give it that New York feel even down to like how it's animated. The music and the animation, they go hand in hand. It's very, very New York. We need to take a short break. When we come back, Diamond White gives us a peek behind the showbiz curtain, an industry she's been involved in since she was younger than Lunella. My mom was very supportive from the beginning. She knew that I was just an alien. More in a minute. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the stateside podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Can you tell us a little bit about how voice acting differs from the work that you might do for a, a TV series or a film or for stage? Ooh, uh, voice acting is, for me, it's pretending that I'm a kid and screaming and being super excited all the time and on screen acting you have like a three-hour preparation you have to go through hair and makeup you have to get sometimes body makeup done you have to get fittings for wardrobe and it's a lot of behind the scenes things that take hours and hours and hours but for me I can go to the booth in a onesie with no makeup on and make a show as brilliant as Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. So I definitely like voice acting a little bit better. Magic. That's got to be a nice break. Yeah, it's very uh, cool. You were obviously in Detroit for childhood years, but moved to L.A. when you were about 11 to work on your career. Mm-hmm. How did the conversation with your parents go when you told them that this was something that you really wanted to do? Um, well, I had gone on tour at eight years old with the color purple and we had traveled all over the U.S. And after that, we went to Vegas and I did the Lion King and I played young Nala. And basically I said to my mom, like, hey, I really want to do this. Can we just move to L.A. for as long as we can with the money we had saved up? And actually, we were almost out of money to stay here, but then I booked my first ever voiceover role as Holly on Phineas and Ferb. So voice acting basically saved my life. (laughs) Wow. Diamond, The Lion King is, I mean, that's a really iconic show that, you know, for some people it was like their first experience of theater. 
And it was also, I mean, I know it was a big, a big creative deal for Disney. Uh, I, I don't think it was the first, you know, staged musical based on a Disney show, but it's it's probably about as famous as any of them. What kind of experience did you have with it? Was it was it really fun or, or really arduous or both? <laughs> um, it was super fun. I was about 12 at the time, 11 or 12. And honestly, it felt just like the stage is a playground when you're that young and the audience didn't even bother me. It was just like super fun to be on stage every night and to hear applause and to hit my marks and know that I'm doing a good job. The only thing that was a bit frustrating was the schooling while being an actress on stage. It was like very hard to get work done when there's like four kids in a room goofing off. Um, but it was super fun. And it's a one of my goals is to play older Nala on Broadway someday. Oh, that would bring it full circle. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I also just need to nerd for a minute. I mean, how amazing is it as a kid to be playing an iconic Disney character? I mean, I don't know if we consider her one of the princesses, but she's definitely up there uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, she's up there with Moon Girl. <laughs> yeah. Getting back to your parents, were there times when you really had to sell them on this, that this could be something, you know, more than a dream? Or were they just supportive of this from the word go? My mom was very supportive from the beginning. She knew that I was just an alien. Like, my whole family would call me an alien, and there's nothing else that I could be doing. Like, there's (laughs) no way that... I could be in any other profession. And I think my mom saw that and was like, let's give it a try. And she was just willing to try, you know. And I was a kid that she had in her 40s. So she had already seen everything, been through everything. And I think she wanted a little bit of an adventure. So I was the kid to give her that adventure. Boy, no question. You have done so many kinds of work. Like you said, I mean, this is not your first run at voice acting. Stage work in The Color Purple and and The Lion King in Las Vegas. You spent some time in the soap opera trenches, I believe, as well. Yeah, I'm still in the soap opera trenches. I love doing soap operas. I grew up watching The Young and the Restless, so now being on The Bold and the Beautiful, it's really cool to see how life kind of does a 180 or 360. Like, you see, you grow up watching something and then you're on it, you know? Yeah, you know, and I wasn't being funny. I mean, that kind of that kind of acting... For those who don't know, like the production schedule is quick turn. It sounds like hard work. Yeah, we shoot about eight episodes, eight to ten episodes a week. And when you're really in the thick of it, you just have to. It's a brain uh, exercise for me. It keeps me on my toes. Uh, Can you say more about just like how you handle it? I mean, trying to digest the scripts and, you know, to the extent that you have to and and keeping it fresh all the time. Um, Honestly, It's important to put your mental health first. Like there have been times where I've had to go to like a psych ward because things have gotten too much for me. And I'm a really big advocate on mental health and like getting enough sleep and like taking meds because I'm also bipolar. And Mm -hmm. um, that is something that's like super important to me. I think that that's my superpower because it allows me to like imagine things that I feel like normal people don't. Um, But yeah, there was a point that I got overwhelmed and I had to go to the psych ward and get everything 
sorted out. So it is hard to kind of balance it. But once you get a schedule down and you, again, get your sleep, sleep is super important. Once you do that, it's pretty easy. Once you get into the rhythm of it, it's all about the rhythm. Then you're you're good to go. I don't think we talk enough about, you know, the toll that the business takes on people who are doing the work, not just because, you know, of the difficulties of, of being, you know, famous or, you know, and well-known, but also just the, the workload that you're talking about there. I'm glad to hear that you've been able to take care of yourself. It strikes me, too, that there are so many people who get into entertainment work when they're young and they get caught up in the noise of celebrity and the hours and the fame. And not everyone is able to make it into an adult stage of their career like you've been able to. I mean, in addition to learning how to take care of yourself, were there decisions that you made that helped get you where you are right now? Honestly, just staying true to myself, there was a time when I wanted to shave my head because as a black girl, and this actually kind of ties back to Moon Girl, I was like, oh, my hair is annoying. I just want to shave my head and like have my natural curl texture. And once I did that, I was kind of scared because I was like, oh, what if I never work again? And then that's when I booked The Bold and the Beautiful. So it comes down to making choices for yourself and not doing things to make other people happy. Like once you're you're in control of your decisions and not doing things just because, oh, like, oh, this might make me less desirable for casting or whatever. Once you decide like, hey, I am in this business because I like doing it. It doesn't control my life. I feel like that energy attracts things to you. I also got a lot into manifestation and just like not being so stressed about the everyday things that I was stressed about. And once I changed my mindset and started reading books like The Alchemist, um, things just started kind of like switching and going my way. But I feel like it's all an energy thing. Like once you prioritize yourself, you could literally do anything you set your mind to. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur premieres on Disney Channel this Friday, and you'll be able to stream it on Disney Plus starting February 15th. That's it for the Stateside Podcast today. I'm April Bear. You can find full Stateside episodes streaming at michiganradio.org. Funding for arts and culture coverage comes in part from the Michigan Arts and Culture Council. Today's podcast was produced by Ronia Cabansag. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for today's pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening along. I'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! 
We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.